The copper side of the circuit can function independent of the iron side. The iron side serves as a braking mechanism to keep the copper side from getting out of hand and destroying itself. The iron side is similar to a C-magnet in an electromechanical water meter in which the aluminum disc would spin out of control to accelerate itself, its RPMs, to the point of um, breaking down the, the, the system somewhere or another, probably the jewel bearings that uh, supports the spindle, ac uh, the axle, um, the spin axle of the aluminum disc, the brass axle, as I recall, in the I-10 General Electric Water Meter from 1910. Um, so that's the purpose, semi-purpose, one of the purposes of the iron winding, and so it's going to have to be have enough inductance to do the job to match what's going on on the copper side and as I discovered in dealing with inductance formula one way to increase inductance is number of turns but a much easier way is to increase the diameter of the first turn the innermost turn um, now we know from the um, well we don't know but I infer from the photograph that the co it's an air core coil, that iron barrel shaped coil. Because we already got iron in the coil, so we don't need an iron core. It's, um, but he has the rest of the circuit on the inside, where the magnetic field is most intense. What the arrangement is, I don't know. It could be anything. Um, whatever is uh, the greatest efficiency, I guess, is the only way to put it. That would take trial and error, or just mapping it out logistically <laughs> before trial and error or whatever along with it um, because the left the, the copper side is what I've simulated okay I've already simulated it besides serving as a braking mechanism for the copper side that wants to explode with, ex with electrostatic force um accelerate its expansion at an explosive rate uh, the iron winding does more than act as a braking me mechanism for that explosion to prevent or uh, ameliorate shall we say reduce it to the point that it's uh, tolerable um, and practical but besides that it also converts all of that electrostatic force into something useful practical namely a magnetic field so it serves as a double purpose that the iron coil but of greatest significance is the braking mechanism that it um, facilitates so it does have to have adequate inductance to do that um, to elucidate or uh, elaborate a little bit the copper side can act independent of the iron, excuse me the copper side can act independent of the iron side because all it's doing is accentuating the acceleration of the um, magnification or amplification of electrostatic force which we measure as voltage uh, that's not very practical but it can run on its own to explosive proportions um, of course, we want magnetism along with that to be able to get power out of it and thus energy over time. So the iron side is added 
for that purpose as well as for the purpose of breaking that explosive gain of self-amplification to ameliorate it or manage it in such a way that it does not destroy the circuit. It simply amplifies to a nice tolerable, well, it amplifies to a nice useful level and is tolerable in as much as it doesn't become excessive to the point of damaging the circuitry. Now to explain a little bit more detail the process of breaking that the iron coil provides to the copper side of the circuit. It's doing two things at the same time, or two ways of interpreting the one thing it does. Let's put it that way. Because it is an iron coil, it's not a copper coil. And so due to remnants and more significantly hysteresis, it is going to put a delay factor into the situation and because the two sides of the circuit are linked through a pair of transistors each one unique for each side of the circuit namely the um, the cathode of what would have been the diode becomes the emitter and collector of the same material substance as the side of the circuit that it is posted on otherwise the gating mechanism which would have been the anode of that borax baking soda diode or pressurized helium in the case of the 1931 demonstration of Nikola Tesla is an aluminum lead um, that serves as the gate for that transistor but they're both linked to each other's gates through a single wire of aluminum which of course has the two extended plates in opposing directions that may probably be coated with a dielectric of aluminum sheeting not merely the same or similar to the Hertz spark transmitter, transmitter, but also individually, they are similar to the radiant energy uh, patent of Nikola Tesla that was retained in the public. We still get to see it, in which an elevated plate that is coated with a dielectric is connected by a single wire to a capacitance, and the other side of the capacitance it goes to ground. Um, <clears throat> so I... <laughs> took a little diversion there. Backtracking. So, the iron serves to reduce the frequency gain of the copper side. I've noticed under simulation that when self-amplification occurs, it's not merely the amplitude that goes up, but the frequency goes up as well. Especially if there's no guiding frequency that's fixed at the input of the simulation that I was investigating. Instead, you know, I'm, I had it was prone to using a precharged capacitance and then the circuit is free to do as it pleases. And so the, it shows us that potential energy is increasing along with kinetic energy when more than just the amplitude is increasing when the frequency increases as well. And so the iron takes care of all of that by slowing down frequency, which is the third uh, practical benefit of the iron side of the circuit is to reduce frequency and bring it down to slower frequencies. It's at the same time doing that, as a consequence of that, it's reducing the amplitude as well, which goes along parallel with the increase of frequency. So the iron serves three different purposes, not just one or two, without which uh, the circuit would be no good except to time how long it takes for it to explode.
basically. That I've simulated, that part. And so because the Berkeley Spice family of simulators such as MicroCap 12 only assumes copper windings in all of its coil simulated coils, I've never had a chance to deal with the entire circuit, much less the transistors that link the two sides. I've only dealt under simulation with the copper side, and it's ugly. <laughs> it's basically not worth anything except to wow your audience that, oh, I created free energy. Oh, but look, it's not useful, so let's forget about it. Well, of course not. Well, that's not a good way to sell a product. So the iron side is significant, and the transistors that link the two are significant. Um, and, of course, the most significance is the gap between the spheres that everybody overlooks, and I certainly overlooked it up until recently in trying to help you understand the circuit, or appreciate it, I suppose, is the fact that it's an unlit spark gap. It's an unlit neon bulb, that gap between the spheres, that governs the magnification of power in the throughout the copper side of the circuit. It gives it authority, license um, to self-amplify. It's that gap, that ionization, uh, non-arcing, non-sparking gap, an unlit gap, something that is so easily overlooked because it has no power, but it has authority. And that's the conductor in the orchestra, without which the orchestra may not play that evening, and we don't get any music. So it's very vitally important to take that as the central theme of the entire circuit because it's significant. I'm sorry for this tangential thinking, but I, I have to add this. It's significant that every circuit.com does not provide the user with a spark cap. And its switches are not indicative of this, of being correctly simulating a mechanical relay or a mechanical switch in which you have two contacts that when the switch is open you have an airspace between them. They don't simulate that. God forbid they should. Um, because they'll basically have a spark gap that is ionizing but not arcing hopefully. And they don't include spark gaps because they are a whole animal in themselves. They really are otherworldly. They don't behave. I mean, they have variable capacitances within them. That's the problem that they don't want to include. It's very complicated to simulate a, a spark gap because you have parallel capacitance. You've got, I think, serial capacitance. No, you have capacitance when it's arcing and you have capacitance when it's not arcing, when it's merely ionizing. So you have two different capacitances to deal with alone. That's just alone. And then you've got all kinds of other processes going on, making it very complicated to, well, complicated enough that the conservation of energy no longer applies, basically. Uh, when placed in a correct circuit, it can be tested out and shown that you can't account for the energy going in versus coming out. It's just impossible anymore. Anyway, that's enough said, I guess, by, about the iron coil so we understand the significance of it. It's It's got multiple um, features to it that are useful and significant to the circuit. Unfortunately, it's the biggest part of the circuit and the heaviest. 
Um, but I guess Tesla figured out how to shrink it down. Um, there are ways of simulating inductance using capacitances, and I do believe those 12 uh, so-called radio tubes were not radio tubes. After all, that some of them were vacuum tube capacitors because he did invent them. Wikipedia credits him with the invention of the variable vacuum tube capacitor. Um, so that's what I think is really going on. I don't think anybody is receiving uh, power transmitted from somewhere else. That's a bunch of hooey. And it's not even practical. Yet, that's what Sierra Lamont claims he could do. But, of course, he <laughs> piggybacked onto transmission lines. So, of course, he could transmit. Duh. <laughs> you know, all these little trade secrets, you know. And Moray, some people believed he was stealing energy from the grid. So, who knows, you know, there are all these little things to worry about. And I have simulated theft of energy from a grid-like source. And you don't have to be coupled with your coil directly surrounding the transmission line. It can be miles away. Literally, the, the mutual, mag, uh, mutual inductance can be so low, so far removed to the right of the decimal point, that that fractional percentage of, mut of magnetic coupling actually still does the job because reactance is a powerful pump can be it can self-amplify a transient but it can also steal or harvest if you prefer energy from very far away it's very effective and it can recycle itself as jim murray and paul babcock have demonstrated so it has three different purposes reactance has that are extremely powerful in creating this so-called anomaly of free energy, which is really a composition of three types of um, overunity, is what it, it... I mean, <laughs> that's as many as I've come up with in my little shopping list of types of overunity. Um, but I think I've said enough. I may have created a um, complication of contradictory uh, implications to the word amplification with regard to the iron coil. It's doing two different things that appear to be opposite to each other. <clears throat> and they are, but it's two different um, um, regulations of amplitude that are going on. One has to do with the fact that reactants, um, when we're dealing with transients that have no cause, they come in from the ether, they can be self-amplified kind of like a self-compounding interest rate in which you don't have to supply any more energy to add to the amplitude. It self-amplifies its amplitude. And that's the explosive character that accelerates its explosive character over time. Um, yeah, maybe at a nice hyperbolic uh, smooth curve in the beginning, but then into a vertical explosive uh, later on, or maybe a vertical explosive right away. That's one aspect of amplification that the iron coil addresses, and it addresses it by putting the brakes on it. But the other aspect of amplification that I've made note of previously that might sound confusingly in opposition is the, is the reduction of frequency in the braking mechanism that reduces the non-accelerative aspect of the amplitude that is already there. So it's a converter in that sense 
for converting higher frequencies that the circuit gathers from the atmosphere down to lower frequencies and thus get more amplitude out of them. But that's looking at like a frozen frame of time to analyze just one instance of, okay, what's it doing by comparison to a previous instance? It can have that feature due to its hysteresis. But so... <coughs> There are two, I guess, two different features to the braking mechanism then, it could be said. One is to um, throttle the self-amplification process that's going on in the copper side of the circuit that the gap between the two spheres is authorizing to occur. But the other is to convert higher frequencies to lower frequencies so that the overall um, panorama of frequencies is reduced to just lower frequencies, with the consequence being that amplitude is increased. So it's kind of doing two things in opposition to each other, you would think. Yet the overall result is the correct result. It's it's um, making the circuit, the overall circuit, manageable, practical in many different ways. So it, the analysis, the full analysis of this circuit is complicated and can sound confusing initially in trying to describe it without actually visually uh, having visuals to go along with the description to make it easier. I don't have access to a computer, so all I can do is talk <laughs> and scenario this in my brain and hope that you can visualize the exact same thing that I'm visualizing, which is quite a stretch of uh, prognosis or expectations on my part. But i got to make do. I can't help but try again. So the iron is doing two things that are contradictory, um, but one dominates over the other, and so the net result is a very good one. So when it reduces frequency with the consequence of increasing amplitude, that would appear to be not something we want to have if we're trying to control the outcome to throttle it to prevent it from damaging the circuit. And yet, we want that increased amplitude and we don't want the higher frequencies because they won't be able to run a motor, for instance. So we want lower frequencies. But that's not a dominant thing. It, what dominates the situation is that the braking action of the iron is going to manage the acceleration of amplitude and prevent it from getting out of hand and that's much more significant in the reduction of amplitude that is couched or hiding within the increase of frequencies that are going on on the copper side. Um, this is much more significant because if this is managed and kept within reins then the opposite thing that's happening, the reduction of frequency and the conversion into higher amplitude, is a minor detail um, by comparison to what the iron is doing. Uh, so it's more important that we regulate the self-amplification process and tone it down, ameliorate it, while the, the um, side effect of doing that with iron, with an iron coil is the opposite thing, that each particular frequency is going to be converted um, and into an elevation of amplitude, which is 
something, a side effect that we got to live with, but it's kind of like you want to stop a car with brakes, but if you use severe braking, the car can wobble, it can vibrate, it can shake forwards and backwards because it's a kind of an, a reverb, reverb that's occurring when we apply the brakes. And it, it's, I don't know, it's a loose analogy. I'm trying the best I can, but I'm sorry. <laughs>